Welcome to Meditation and Moxie, where we talk about mental health and holistic solutions, as well as utilizing more complementary alternative medicine in your life. But not tonight. Tonight, I am pissed, and I will tell you why. With all the news about the recent suicide of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, my husband was having a conversation with someone, and that person told my husband that 90% of people that have depression have it because they weren't loved enough as a child. This person stated that it was a, quote, fact. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, this is why I had to put the E on my podcast, because I know when I get into stuff like this, I'm going to cuss. Apologies if you don't like it, but I am pissed. Not being loved as a child? What? Let that sink in. Depression is a serious mental illness, and it is different than being sad. It is different than not being loved. There's a whole list of criteria that someone has to meet in order for them to be diagnosed with any of the symptoms of depression or any of the diagnosis of depression. For example, to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder, you have to have at least five symptoms present of a list that I will read to you in a moment. And of those symptoms, they have to be present all during the same two-week period. So you either have to present with a depressed mood every day or nearly every day, diminished loss of interest or pleasure in almost all of your activities every day or nearly every day, significant weight loss or weight gain or appetite disturbance. The weight loss or the weight gain has to be when you're not dieting or overeating. And it has to be a change of at least 5% of weight in a month. You have to have sleep disturbances present, either too much sleep or insomnia or not being able to sleep throughout the night nearly every day. You have to have a slowing or speeding up of the muscle movements, either fidgety or you're just so like a sloth. Loss of energy or fatigue. You have to have feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, helplessness, low self-esteem that may or may not be due to delusional thinking, but it cannot be due to self-reproach or guilt from being sick. And that has to be every day or nearly every day. You have to have a diminished ability to think, concentrate, and make decisions nearly every day. Recurrent thoughts of death, suicide, or dying. And either those thoughts of dying are without a plan, or there's the suicidal ideation that has a specific plan to commit suicide. Then there's that long-standing interpersonal rejection ideation that others would be better off without me or no one needs me here. Now with, with that diagnosis, one of the symptoms has to be either depressed mood or loss of interest. But that's not all that's needed. And all of these symptoms have to cause clinically significant distress or cause impairment in your social, occupational, or other important areas of your functioning. And it can't be attributed to physiological effects of a substance or a medical condition. There are so many types of depression that are recognized by the DSM-5 and that DSM-5 stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So there is major depression, which can be recurrent. There's persistent depressive disorder. There is bipolar disorder. There is seasonal affective disorder, psychotic depression, postpartum depression, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, situational depression, and atypical depression. So as you can see, it isn't just a feeling of sad. It goes way beyond that. And it sure as fuck isn't 90% of that being caused by not being loved enough as a child. Whatever dipshit thought of that number and that reason needs to get a good, solid punch to the throat.
Depression is extremely complex. And why a person has any of those depressive types of symptoms has a plethora of factors. First of all, genetics and biology may play a part for some people. Twin, adoption, and family studies have linked depression to genetics, but research hasn't yet figured out what genetics factors make the risk for depression. But at this time, most researchers suspect that having siblings or parents with depression may be a risk factor. Brain chemistry imbalance, which is a big one because depression is believed to be caused by an imbalance in the neurotransmitters, which are involved in mood regulation. And those chemicals are serotonin, dopamine, nepinephrine, acetylcholine, glutamate, and GABA. Neurotransmitters are chemical substances which help different areas of the brain communicate with each other. When certain neurotransmitters are in short supply, this may lead to the symptoms we recognize as clinical depression. This is why medications such as selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs, antidepressants, and antipsychotics are often prescribed to people with depression because they work by helping to balance the chemicals in your brain's neurotransmissions so that mood and emotions are affected. That's a simple explanation, but I'm way too pissed to get into the details. I will, but you guys understand what I'm saying. It is complex, and it is not about being loved or not loved. Then there are the female sex hormones. It has been widely, widely documented that women suffer from major depression about twice as often as men. This is because the incidence of depressive disorders peak usually around times of women's pre-reproductive years. It's believed that hormonal risk factors are to blame for that. Women are especially prone to depressive disorders during times when their hormones are in a flux, such times as being on their menstrual period or right before it, childbirth, perimenopause. In addition, a woman's depression risk declines after she goes through menopause. Then there's the circadian rhythm disturbance. One type of depression called seasonal affective disorder is believed to be caused by a disturbance in the normal circadian rhythm of the body. Light entering the eye influences this rhythm. And during the shorter days of winter, when people spend less time outside, this rhythm may be disrupted. People who reside in colder climates, like where we are in Illinois, where the days are shorter and darker, may be at higher risk. Poor nutrition. I know a lot of people don't know about this, but poor nutrition can contribute to depression in several ways. A study from the British Journal of Psychiatry found a link between vitamin D deficiency and depression. Another study done cautioned about sugar. They found that men who consumed 67 grams or more of sugar per day were 23% more likely to be diagnosed with depression in a five-year period, more than men who ate 40 grams or less. Some studies have found that diets either low in omega-3 fatty acids or with an imbalanced ratio of omega-6s and omega-3s are associated with increased rates of depression. Then you have physical health problems. The mind and body are clearly connected. That's why we talk about it, mind, body, spirit. They are connected. If you're experiencing or people who have experienced physical health problems may have changes in their mental health as well. Illness is related to depression the stress of having a chronic illness may trigger an episode for major depression. For example, people who have suffered from a heart attack, 40 to 60% of them have been diagnosed with some form of depression. People with Parkinson's disease, 40%. Multiple sclerosis, 40%. Cancer, 25%. Diabetes, 
25%. And chronic pain, between 30 and 54% of people that have chronic pain in their life have been diagnosed with some form of depression. They also found a hi any history of hospitalization for an infection was associated with a 62% increased risk of later developing a mood disorder. That has 0% to do with how much they were loved as a child. Stressful life events, they can overwhelm a person's ability to cope, and it may be a cause of depression. Research suggests high levels of the hormone cortisol, which are secreted during that period of stress. It may affect the neurotransmitter serotonin and contribute to depression. Then you have grief and loss. Following the loss of a loved one, grieving people experience many of the same symptoms as clinical depression. They have trouble sleeping, poor appetite, a loss of pleasure or interest in their activities. That's a normal response to a loss. But when those symptoms don't subside and they get worse, that could lead to clinical depression. And then minority status. Being a minority comes with its package of social pain. They report feeling more guilt, embarrassment, shame, and sadness than people with higher statuses. But not only that, but their primary care physicians are less likely to detect mental health problems, including depression, among African-American and Hispanic patients than among whites. Women who are poor, on welfare, less educated, unemployed, from ethnic and racial minority populations are more likely to experience depression. Ethnic and racial minorities were less likely to receive treatment for depression. Of adults that received treatment, 16% were African-American, 20% were Hispanic, and 24% were white. Again, this is a much larger subject that I will eventually go into, but not right now. My whole point to this podcast is that if you don't work with people who suffer and suffer deeply from depression, or you haven't seen it firsthand with someone you love, just shut your fucking mouth. You clearly have no idea what you're talking about. In light of the recent passing of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, the topic is a sensitive one, but suicides in the United States have increased by 25% since 1999, we have to have discussions without shaming people regarding their depression or any of the symptoms that they might have. In the United States, suicide rates are highest during spring. It is the third leading cause of death for 15 to 25 year olds. It is the second leading cause of death for 24 to 35 year olds. The suicide rate is the highest among adults between the ages of 45 and 54. And it's the second highest among those 85 and older. And it is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. On average, one person commits suicide every 16.2 minutes. On average, that's 123 suicides a day. I'm not even going to talk about how many of those suicides are from veterans suffering from PTSD, because that is a whole nother podcast. So while we may hear about the tragic loss of a celebrity and I, my heart goes out to them and their families, there are a shocking number of suicidal deaths every day, leaving behind people who love them and may never have suspected depression affected the person that they lived with, worked with, raised children with, and so on. But if you're feeling any of the symptoms I mentioned, especially if you're having thoughts of suicide, even if they're just passive thoughts, please talk to someone. There are actually people out there that understand and want to provide help. As someone who has had suicide happen in my family and 
has affected people very close to me. I speak from the heart when I say, you are loved, you are needed, you are worthy, and we want you to be here with us. So please call a friend or one of the numbers that I'm about to give you if you need to talk. The number for the U.S. Suicide Hotline is 1-800-784-2433. The NDMDA Depression Hotline Support Group is 1-800-826-3632. And the Parental Stress Hotline for help for parents when they become too stressed out is one 800 632-8188. That's all I have for you today regarding this, but know that none of this is your fault. Reach out, speak out, don't let shame or stigma stop you, or any jackass statistics that some stranger may tell you that make no fucking sense. Again, you are loved. Take care, everyone.